Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the game streams, website, and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 122 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on February 23rd, 2018, over on twitch.tv slash Chat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for joining us for another evening back in the tower. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the man who has been said to have the voice of a flower, an individual who goes by many names, Justin Sane 0516. Justin, what guys do you have on us tonight yeah tonight my name's a ike <laughs> i was actually quite impressed with this one <laughs> this one made me happy i've actually already been a ivan i know it's <laughs> but i like for, ike. i think that's, i think this that, is like this is one of the highlights of the 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 night for me it's like what is, how are you going to how are you going to ruin the topic yeah if you if you knew that that I had already done AI, Ivan, that's a deep cut. Congratulations! Um, it was an honorable mention to A Isaac, but A Ike won on the night. I'm wonderful, by the way. <laughs> well, alongside us, we also have our master of social media, the one and only Green Eyed Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. Are you looking forward to tonight's chat? I am, and I've actually. Like this last week, this it's been a little interesting. But has anybody been watching the Olympics? No, mm, no. Um, <sighs> only curling. Did, that doesn't curling? surprise me at all. No, <laughs> yeah, I didn't no, watch I just, people clean. Yeah, like I need to clean, and I figured to pick up some good habits. Watch the pros do some motivational. Motivational watch cleaning. The- That's what that is. Curling is motivational cleaning. Watch Sometimes I just feel like I need I just feel like I need two people coming behind me just sweeping constantly. <laughs> That's what I feel like. That's of all the anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I I just love watching the Olympics and now I have nothing else to follow up besides go Olympics. Yay. Yay. Yeah, I heard. I heard uh, NBC did a great job op- uh, with the opening ceremony. Uh, um, <laughs> that was that's about the the level of knowledge that I have about the Olympics. I, is I heard that NBC I, botched botched it terribly. I really don't watch the opening ceremony because that is not necessarily what it's about to me. Like watching the right, parade right. is kind of cool, and it's interesting to see what they do culturally, but. My, I just like watching the races and figure skating and some of the half pipes and watch. It's kind of like watching NASCAR. You sometimes watch it just for the crash. There was a lot of crashes yesterday in the half pipe. Anyway. <laughs> well, we also have with us the grizzly bearded cultivator of Spinfoil himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm good. I haven't been hunting monsters all week between... 
taking care of two little monsters myself. Yeah, I was about to say I saw I saw that you uh you have transferred Monster Hunter from just being on the console to being in real life too. Yes, yes, they are my little hunting friends and they take care of me as much as I take care of how nice. the symbiotic nice. relationship works. Yes. That's a complete not a freaking lie. They completely eat me out of house and home somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, last week, we asked the community, what do you think the Deepstone Crypt is? And the responses are in, and I'm going to turn the floor over to Green, because I know she had some, she had some, I think she had some interesting responses. I thought I saw her throw a couple. By the way, this entire week's show notes is completely thanks to Green, because as, as many of you might know from being in the Discord channel, uh, I have been dealing with fires all week at at the office because of uh well we just acquired a, another bank basically and so anyone not who's not ever been through an, yeah not not real fires not real fires those of you who do deal with real fires thank you um I do not mean to belittle what you do cuz it's much much more important than what I do um but yeah so I've I've been running literally from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting fixing different things and so I Thank you, Green, for, for keeping us on track and organized. I think we, it's more of like, I thank my wife for not killing me for taking, we went out, we had date night on Wednesday, but I spent all Thursday and thank you community for not getting mad about me not streaming because I was writing show notes Thursday night. Yes. Thank you community for letting Green do my job. It's very appreciative. So anyways, so, so Last week, like I said, last week we asked, what do we think the Deepstone Crypt is? And I need to get a drum roll sound. There's. Just have Justin do it. Yeah, no, there you go. It's, that it's works. good enough. Um, there we go with his mouth. That works. You can also double as a horse sound or motorcycle. And yeah, you're, you're good. You're good. Motorboat, yeah. I mean, we're, we're there you go. Oh, <laughs> That's not the kind I was thinking of. I was being PG. You guys went there. I did not. We had there. I was there. You summoned me. I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had some really good comments on Twitter. I really just picked two of them just because I one was kind of funny and I like Futurama so. Um, at Matt 89 said, I vision it to be like the head museum from Futurama where all the exos <laughs> got to re-download from their original living brains. That made me so happy yes. on so but, many levels. It's just that's like a vats of brains, vats of heads all <laughs> over the place. The dead presidents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way. Fun fact, there's two Teddy Roosevelts yep. in that scene. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one was from Damo, and it's kind of our serious answer of the week, and it's just a system to avoid rampancy. Mm-hmm. Short and simple. So, Which I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a bit, about yeah. that aspect. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's, that's an intriguing aspect, especially with the Exos. Um the entire concept of not like rampancy, like as a concept, not like stealing from Halo's idea, but like ramp, like the entire idea of an AI thinking itself into madness. Um, of course that 
yeah, like you said, that'll be brought up because that begs the question of what is AI? Um, but so we, I definitely, I mean, I know we appreciate the feedback on that question. This week's question is a little, I don't remember what this week's question is green. Uh, well, if it would post not in black because I just copy pasted it from our discord. One second. Uh, what destiny lore did you discover later? You had mis- misconceptions on. So it's kind of a look at yourself, hard, hard life, hard, hard truths. Did you discover something later that you thought was going on? Wasn't actually going on. Never. It's it's the I I I may not get any any responses from this. I'm fully aware of that, but it's like okay, I know for me, the thing this the things that I had most the most misconceptions on actually had to do with Ishtar Collective in general before we really started digging into it. Well, but that yeah. was just. I was going to say, if if we don't get any responses, we can always answer it ourselves, too. Right. Yeah. So we'll go into, well, I think we should go into our own right, next right. week, just because that's going to be helpful for the whole thing. But yeah. I mean, if half of the answers aren't the speaker, I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> well. Uh, what? I mean, what do you mean? I, I, don't, be, I don't know. He's exactly what I expected. A good guy. Yeah. Good guy. Stand up. <laughs> He's a stand up dude. Well. At least I know who to not hang out with anymore. <laughs> oh, come on. You know that ship had sailed. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, so be sure to sound off on that and let us know your thoughts. Again, We'll, I know we'll put it up in their show notes, and Green always does an amazing job of getting that put over on Twitter. Um, but i know we're looking forward to diving into the discussion so let's run through our standard intro notes and then we'll get right into it our topic for this week's chat is going to be a look at exos and artificial intelligence before we jump into that however i do have a few housekeeping notes to run through in our last chat we discussed nezrak's sin if you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews in particular are extremely helpful as they help us show up on charts, and that helps others find the FFC community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you so much. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. Podcasts focused on Destiny include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group that is dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, 
Ghost and Echoes, a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny 1, and the network's newest edition, This Guardian Life, which is a podcast from the casual Guardian's perspective that highlights all Guardians, large and small. We also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast that discusses a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the biases within lore. Be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know what topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. I have asked Green to put together a high-level summary of tonight's topic, and this is what she had to say. What are Exos? Are they a shell for the human consciousness to live on forever? 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 Or possibly the imperfect war machine due to the ability to show empathy? If they are human consciousness, how do AIs fit into all of this? And what about that deep stone crypt, other than as an awesome titan mark from D1? What about Clovis Bray? The Exo Stranger! This summary is no more a summary than Beard is an actual grizzly. But it is what we're going to debate tonight. Let the lore fight begin. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about exos and artificial intelligence, however, let's take a look at this week's Lost Lore. So this week's lost is the bear gone on how Beard is a real grizzly and how you all need to shut up. <laughs> you see what I gotta deal with, everybody? Do you understand now? I'm so proud of everyone on the show for holding that until after the audio clip. Holy <laughs> is the bear gone. I hate you all. I'm still here. Love you, Beard. Mm, sure. Your actions speak louder than your words. <laughs> your actions being your words. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That was, that, was a, that was a good one. Uh, oh, oh, man. She's, Green uh, sent me that. I was just, I, I died <laughs> when I got that. That's why, in my part, I was like, an intro? Like, I was like, I can't oh, even, pens. I can't even call that a summary. Oh pens man! Need to remember to bring honey to Guardian Con. <laughs> really? Well, we're gonna dump it on Bife, so I mean. <laughs> but oh, fun. oh gosh! Think, think, Grizzly, think, think. <laughs> we need to get you. We need to get you a honey jar now. Yep. Yep. I know where to get some of those. Or a picnic basket. When when I when I meet Beard, it's gonna be like that scene from Legends of the Fall. I'm Brad Pitt in this scenario, just so you know. Beard, you're the grizzly. Typecasting. Uh-huh. Typecasting. So, we play the cards with dealt. Um you know, I, I think I think the best one for Lost Lord this this week is obviously Yeah, you know, just do the Deep Stone Crypt. 
<laughs> it's, I think it's I think it's a pretty obvious one. Um, mostly because, to be honest, for something that seems really important, we really don't have much to go on about it. Really. We have we have a dream sequence and a mark. Oh, and the Ring of Living Stone. That's it. I mean, there's like allusions to it in other places, but right. there's really yeah, I guess not a whole true, lot yeah. of information. <clears throat> so the mark is, I'm trying to remember the mark. The Deep Stone Crypt. Is it the Deep Stone? Is it literally the Deep Stone Crypt? Uh, it it's is. just It just says it's a remembrance of the, ta- the, the location of basically where their consciousness were seated. And then, or is that the Ring of Living Stone? That's the always, Ring of Living Stone. Okay. You flipped them. I do. I flip them. There's only two of them. So it's like a 50-50 shot. I always miss. Um, so I like the, the Ring of the Living Stone, interestingly enough, is a, if I remember, that's a warlock artifact, isn't it? I know it looks really cool. Like if you get a, if you can get the Ishtar has the really large uh, high res image of it. It's a really cool looking item. Um, you blended it. That's Deep Stone Crypt that I just put in chat. Hey! So, you know, that's how I usually look at things. I'm a holistic learner. Um, and here's Ring of Living Stone. All right, so uh, the mark is a badge illustrating the infamous subroutine which seated the first exoconsciousness. And the um, ring is in memory of the Deep Stone Crypt, the tower where we were born. Um, and then, yes, Green also, thank you for that. We also have a Grimoire card. So real quick, let's let's look at what does the text say? Uh, this is from Ghost Fragment Legends, and it's Deepstone Crypt. And it says, this is the tower where we were born. Not the tower, just a tower in a dream. The tower stands on a black plain. Behind the tower is a notch in the mountains where the sun sets. The teeth of the mountain cut into the sun or cut the sun into fractal shapes, and the light that comes down at the evening paints synapse shapes on the ground. Usually it's evening when we come. The ground is fertile. This is good land. We go to the tower in dreams, but that doesn't mean it's not real. Some of us go to the tower in peace. They walk through a field of golden melee and then a low warm wind blows in from their back. I don't know why this is because the rest of us meet an army. You can ask others about Deepstone, and they'll tell you about the army. They might confess one truth, which is this. We have to kill the army to get to the tower. Usually, this starts barehanded, and somewhere along the way, you take a weapon. Ask again, and if they're buzzed, they might also admit that most of us don't make it to the tower, except once or twice. None of them will tell you that the army is made of everyone we meet, the people we work with, and the people we see in the street, and the people we tell about our dreams. We kill them all. I think because we were made to kill, and this is the part of us that thinks about nothing else. Often I kill people I don't know, but like most of us, I think I knew them once, in the time before one reset or another, when my mind was younger and less terribly scarred. So that is how we go back to the Deepstone Crypt, where we were born. Um, and then, yes, uh, I know chat mentioned, and Green, you got that one as well, the Winter's mm-hmm. Guile. Actually, I have... I have a few thoughts that I want to talk about Winter's Guile a little bit when we get into the actual content of it, because this the the implications of Winter's Guile for Fellwinter makes me question Fellwinter a little bit. Do um, we know where Fellwinter was found? No. 
No, okay. we do. We do not. To be fair, um, we don't really know where any guardian. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. We can't really point to any one guardian and say this is the location that they were found, other than our own. And even then, we don't really know where that is. You know, like where it's on like Earth somewhere. It's on Earth. Oh. Yay! And the like realm. Yeah. But um. So yeah, I guess I'm gonna kind of turn it back to to you guys real quick. What is what's your thoughts on the Deep Stone? Given given the information that and that that all information comes from Destiny One, Winter's Guile is from Destiny Two, and um. So given given the information that we have, really is is all 100% from Destiny 1. What are you guys' thoughts on the Deepstone Crypt? Here, do you want to go first? Okay. I put two pictures in chat, and these two pictures have actually been kind of plaguing me. They're concept art photos that have actually surfaced since Destiny 2 came out. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that is showcased within the card um, is about the shapes that you see. Uh, there are fractal shapes, and then there are synapses. And I've at least gotten hung up on this only because of the idea between uh, the concept of chaos and order. Uh, and especially, of course, too, when you start looking at the synapse shape starting to form more in the darkness, which I think is kind of funny. Synapse would directly correlate towards anything with the brain, and when you start talking that the brain is effectively the modeled idea or a modeled idea for these for a synapse, starting to consider that they show up in the darkness is a bit odd, uh, and especially when you start to kind of uh, correlate it back with the exo as well. Looking at the one of these, the uh, the one of them on the uh, the bottom that I have is with the uh, the Vex, actually. Uh, technically, I think they both are kind of with the Vex, but not, not not really with the first one. The, uh, the first one, one the first one, I think, is the Infinite Forest. Yeah. Just sorry, the, sorry, this, didn't mean to interrupt. There. The uh, the second one, though, for for some reason, really just kicked it in the high gear for me, and I don't know if it's because of the the one point that's in the middle. I know it's the lighthouse, mm-hmm. or at least it's supposed to be the uh, look like the lighthouse. But for some reason, I still looked at it and I went, why does this make me think of the Deepstone Crypt so much? They describe it as a tower that's more in the center. And then around it, of course, you've got the shapes that exist with the Vex. And it's more from the, the, the garden grooves that you have that the shapes exist. Uh, but I do find it funny that all of that kind of, it, it seems to mesh very well. And with what we know about what uh, Ishtar had done previously, with the the frames research they had done, with uh, with trying to uh, to to understand mind forking a little better from how the Vex had put that all uh, to play with the Ishtar team, uh, and Exo seemed to just be that culmination, of course, between these frames that they had and then perfecting that mind forking technology, uh, but more so being able to take the brain completely out from a human being, stuff it into one of these things. Uh, but that's the, I, I just, I don't know why, but that at least really kind of just jumped out at me as like something that way. What I'm, 
getting to with all of this with my really lengthy conversation or explanation. I'm almost wondering if it's not a Vex subroutine of some kind that kind of lingered after the process was done. It's something where the ideas of testing are still a very prominent thing that exists with the uh, with the Vex, and when you end up getting into the Exo, they may be following that same general subroutine, if you will. Uh, they don't necessarily know it, but they're following that same general subroutine. Uh, Blue, I think you had something. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that actually makes me think of the Sunderesh Experiment 13R. Yes. Uh, because that would back up that understanding in insofar. So so real quick, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, the Sunderesh Experiment 13R is a ship uh, that basically we learn that Maya... <laughs> Maya took Vex Radiolorian fluid that was in excess and introduced it into a jump ship as uh, coolant fluid. So the the idea of using a Vex tech in conjuncture with tech that we had already had, in this case frames, to increase the functionality of it um, is not is not uh, unprecedented. Um, and that would actually be an interesting jump from a frame into a exo, which would explain the jump in evolution there. And insofar as it could also explain maybe the introduction of something akin to a positronic brain. If they introduced a Vex level technology into the frame technology, I can, I can, I like, I kind of actually like that little, little juncture there. Sorry. So, but yes, that's what, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, the sun, uh, that actually made me think of the Sunderesh experiment. Absolutely. Yeah. We've been experimenting or at least, uh, Ishtar went a lot further than just, uh, you know, utilizing it as frame technology or mind forking or what they learned from that. Uh, and of course we continue to see that with the, uh, with the, the device that FWC now uses well, or I think it's the yeah, be, uh, a replication or or otherwise, but the like, other it, oh, it's no. it still utilizes the same technology. It's still based off of the Vex. It still uh, produces from the Vex, and I can't help but think that the Exo are also from the Vex. Like there's that that small link that kind of gets brought back. Um, well, there's going to be more discussion about the connection between Exos and Vex anyway coming up. Oh yeah. We have yeah, some I'm gonna say scannables I, and stuff to talk about. I feel about. like I'm going to be like slapping that <laughs> all night, pretty much. <laughs> Justin, what'd you have? Oh, no. Nah, I just wanted to say, um, Beard, I you think will. that uh, that picture, it, it actually, the the one with the, all the purple and mm-hmm. the, the the lighthouse. Vex, the Vex uh, eyes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, I think what I think about when I see it is uh, one of the simulant um, versions of Mercury. Which... It, it is the, the simulant uh, future as far oh, as is I it? know. Okay. Uh, I don't think we necessarily knew that until after the fact. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's exactly what it kind of was. I think depicted to be, uh, I just found it funny that that particular, uh, concept art made me immediately think of the uh of the deep stone crypt like there's 
there's nothing there that should make me think that it is related to it, but it, it, it be at the tower, like I said, in the middle or otherwise. Yeah. It just, it, it start thinking about it again. Oh, that's, it's pretty powerful, powerful image. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that, that strikes me so much with the deep stone crypt is you have to imagine an exo mind isn't, uh, it's not limited in the ways that a human mind is, you know, like we're, we're capable of memory loss and we're capable of forgetting. And, you know, over the course of a human life, we absorb so much information and so much sensory input and so many visual and auditory and, you know, other, other different memories and stuff, but we do not have the capacity to, to store, uh, collate and recall all of this information at at a moment's notice. Some of us are better than others at doing it, but um, an EXO is, is not, it's not really hindered by this, by the shortcoming. And it is continuously able, or at least I would imagine to, to call on all this data. And I think, I think written into the subroutine that allowed them to be sentient in the first place, you have the deep stone crypt that actually is triggered by some critical mass being achieved um, in the amount of data that's been amassed in the exos consciousness. Um, and when they go to the deep stone crypt, it's let's we need to we need to clear the banks or else you're going to implode. I can dig it. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense considering. Green, I think it's. Yeah, I got. I have a few things that I noticed about the card, or I guess it's technically not a card, the lore entry. Uh, one is ghosts have no prior knowledge of the Deepstone Crypt. Like, they don't know what it is, and Felwinter is one of the earliest Ruzen that we know about. The fact that they don't have any idea, obviously, Golden Age technology, just kind of confirm, more confirmation on that. And the second one is the fact that the ghost is called a drone. <laughs> and I would also point out that when Felwinter is given his name, because that's not his name, uh, the that implication of the ghost assigning it, like he can't remember his name, makes me think that with the ghost trying to create him as a risen or resurrect him or whatnot actually scramble some of the programming that was there makes some of the things more difficult to access not allowed to remember yeah and sorry to jump in real quick <clears throat> the other thing that as far as the name goes uh to be to be clear this isn't the first iron lord or i guess i lord of iron that we have seen take up a different name. Uh, Ash Raven also did it. Um, but the other thing as far as the name is Felwinter in, in Winter's Guile, the interesting thing for me that stands out is the fact that Felwinter remembers enough to know that he's, he's not, he remembers enough to know that this is not normal because he says, why can't I remember my name? I always remember my name. Something's wrong. Was I damaged in crypt processing? 
and so that to me actually speaks more to the self-awareness of of whoever fell winter was um i have my own kind of theory about that but um i i don't i i mean like fell winter was definitely it it clears in my mind it clears up a little bit of the the mystery of that that immediate moment after resurrection because this is one of the first times that we've seen an interaction between a a light bearer and its ghost immediately after resurrection like actually in grimoire i know there's a lot of like fan fiction and a lot of and and not not to downplay that because some of them are amazing like looks at how the ghost would handle the guardian but this is actually you know from from bungie this is actually a scenario that we've been given that we see a, a newly resurrected light bearer um talking to a ghost like immediately being like who are you uh, and he, he's like, he and doesn't you, know what it is. He doesn't like, know what, what he, he doesn't know what it you? is. And also another really big thing is he doesn't trust it. He doesn't trust the guy, which to me, when you hold this up. So the other thing that this makes me really kind of intrigued about is when you hold this up to the Sarah farmer from destiny one, it makes you really curious because then you have pod 10, 10 one um, in which we kind of get the feeling that the ghost and the, the light bearer do communicate prior to, uh, their resurrection. And so, but if you, if you have a scenario where that individual does not recall, you know, the, the ghost, then, then do they not remember, do, does that happen to all guardians? Does that, or to all light bearers? Does that just happen to specific ones? Is that based on the ghost? You know, that goes back to the question of the ghosts being individualistic entities. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of unanswered questions that definitely get played in here. But to me, the 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 entire interaction between Felwinter and his ghost here, you know, it's it's not what we have seen in the past with guardians and their ghosts. Like there's always been kind of a mutual kind of respect or, you know, even even camaraderie friendship i would even say um but here it's like fell winters fell winters talking down to his ghost he calls it a presumptuous little drone and you know and the ghost is kind of being you know not to not to hash where he's being bossy he's telling him no you're you're going to tell them that your name is this because they're trying to kill you and i'm your only friend justin i know you had Maybe, maybe Justin had something. Did Unmute. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He do- yeah, yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I was going to say, I-, I love this lore entry because it does something that's rarely ever done in Destiny lore, and it actually confirms um, a little bit of timeline here, which we all pretty much already knew. It It dates the deep stone crypt mm, at mm. least before the at least before the creation of the ghosts mm-hmm. um or or i guess you could argue before the creation of this ghost but that would kind of speak to what you thought about how how ghosts you know kind of pull consciousness but yeah yeah um, it it's very unsettling how unnerved Fell winter is 
um, at at this like kind of um, you know kind of odd um, emergence from the Deep Stone Crypt, and also the the fact that um, Fell Winter can remember that um, he usually remembers his name uh, kind of speaks to the compartmentalized um, way that artificial intelligence would work. You know, like it's not like a human, you all know, it somewhat is, but, but you know, it's like files are erased, you know, right. The, yeah. the directory yeah. that, that the directory that tells him that he usually remembers his name is still there, <laughs> but, but he the does info it. with his name. <laughs> Yeah. Error yeah. file not found. It's, why am I, why is yeah, the file yeah, not five, found? Five oh four or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> four yeah, four oh four. Yeah. I couldn't find the one with the right file, but there you go. You got it. <laughs> um but I mean and, and that really kind of opens the door to, you know, the question of what what are the XO? Um mm. you know, are they are they war machines? Are they a hybridization of Vex and human technology? Are they a means to achieving immortality for human minds? Um, you know, what what are they? And the answer kind of seems like maybe it's all. Which I mean, the the answer is a lot simpler to what are they rather than what were they for in some respects. Like yes. They were kind of war machines. They were meant mm-hmm. to be part of the war machine thing. Right. But what purpose did they serve after that? Were they always going to be war machines? Well, and that, that begs the question of, do we know if they had a chance to plan for after that? Yeah, probably not. You know, when when we build tanks, we rarely think of what we're going to do with them in peacetime. Well, but I mean, you know, also, you know, other than train it, for the next war. Right. But I mean, I, I guess I was meaning like in conjuncture with the timing of the collapse, like we don't did did they build them? Uh, you know, this goes back to Justin, kind of what you were saying about the guy, the winter's guile card is the timeline wise there. How how far in advance from the collapse did the exos get created? You know, did they have enough time? That's what I meant was like, did they have an actual like, because the, the other thing is, is in regards to exos as war machines is there's, they help, they have a really weird flaw if they were just meant to be war machines because exos have the ability to empathize and they, they experience emotion and the, you know, I think it's, uh, go exo, is it exo Ghost Fragment XO or XO3, in which that kind of gets called out as like, this is a really stupid design for a machine that's made just for war. You know, you uh, don't. Emotions get in the way. Three. Yeah, it's three. Emotions get in the way of, uh, of like, when you, when you imagine perfect soldiers, you're, you're thinking like, as far as like, as technical soldiers, you're going to think something more like a Terminator model, you know, unthinking just follows orders does you know does the job that it's told to do without qualm that's definitely not an exo an exo seems to have that human component that that adds an unpredictability to it 
so for for a war machine it seems an odd choice to instill that into the design well that that assumes that line of logic assumes that it was in fact a choice i think the a pretty a pretty common trope in science fiction when it comes to self-aware machines true, is usually true. that that it happens kind of accidentally or organically or on accident yeah, yeah that's 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 fair organic. enough that's fair enough yeah it uh, could also very well show that if the system for transferring minds if they are all indeed just human consciousness uh cannot be altered in any way either so mm-hmm, that means mm-hmm. that that empathy has to travel along with them when they are moving maybe that's what makes maybe that's an argument towards what makes something human is the mm-hmm. ability to feel emotions is something that's not i mean which you know as as someone who has a, a bit of history with psychology that's it that's an interesting thesis to follow because that would indicate that there's not, there's something that's more than biology at play here, but it's also inescapable from being from the being itself. Right. You know, there, there's a, there's a holistic transfer going on that is unavoidable uh, in order to get the human ability to think inventively, you know, which is another really interesting trope in science fiction uh, you know, humans are really good at thinking on our feet, but the downside is we have emotions, these messy things that get in the way of us just being logical and all that. It's also what allows us to think creatively or creatively. Sorry, I mm-hmm. messed that word up for some reason. Um, emphasis. In, I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I like I actually like that beard. It's like it's it's an inescapable quality that is unavoidable. Um that you can't like it's part of the package. Like when you, when you download, when you download the package for the, the super creative inventive thinker, you get emotions with it. Like it's just part of it. Yeah. And we, we tend to attribute emotions to human, to, to humanity. Like, like that's a, that's a, like that's an integral trait that's, that's unique to us. Um, it right. could and just be that it's a it's a trait that's um, unique to this level of consciousness. That I I will I will concede to that. That's, that is correct because emotions themselves we we see uh, degrees of that in even animals, uh, mm-hmm. which. Yeah. I mean, so you're you're a hundred percent correct. Emotions are by no means at all unique to a human and, a human creature. Yeah, and tell me if I'm wrong, but the more the more sophisticated the the mind and the thought process, the more complex the emotions. Uh, I would I would argue against that. Yeah, so there's instances where you'll see gorillas have very intense. Um, kind of pulls in multiple directions emotionally mm-hmm. based on a stimulus that they were given. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's animal there's, inst- Sorry, go for it, Green. No. Uh, animal instinct, it's kind of a biological safety net in some respects because to feel empathy is to help continue your own kind. To be able to love is another thing like you you want to care for that person you want to continue it it's as far as a very rudimentary biological thing and taking out any sort of 
I, emotion out of it, ironically, taking the emotion out of emotion. It's a kind of a biological imperative to help create the sustainability within the culture. Yeah. And I, I would throw in on there. So like my, my personal opinion, this is my, just my personal opinion is that when you, when you're talking about self-awareness, like with regards to humanity as compared to a gorilla or a monkey or a dog, you know, by no means can there, there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of differences. Um, when you're talking about the levels of self-awareness, uh, you know, let's, let's just take between a human and a dog. As far as we can tell, one of the biggest differences is that we can tell, we can project temporally ourselves into the future. Uh, Mm -hmm. animals such as dogs tend to tend to kind of react in a way that makes many, many thinkers kind of view them as they live in the now. And that's the only, that's like, you know, they live permanently in the what's happening right now they can't really project themselves into the future like like human human like you can go through uh you see this a lot with uh individuals who have gone through severe trauma um holocaust survivors a lot of what they talk about is you know what what let them survive these like just atrocities that they had to go through um and a lot of them will say that it was having having something that they were they were chasing you know whether that be revenge whether that was to prove you know prove their captors wrong uh faith you know that the the there was something in the future that was pulling them whereas an animal you know if you if you hurt and, and this is really easy if you see a dog in pain what is the dog usually doing he's just laying down he just the, an animal usually will just give up if it's in so much pain that you know it just kind of rolls over that's not because the animal's weak by any means it's because the animal's com- the the animal's capability of understanding the passage of time is i don't want to say stunted but it's it's not um it's not to that's the why, level it's why they're so excited to see you when you come right. home every it's day it's because later. because you literally you literally are oh my gosh you're here you know and that's why they're that's why you see dogs a lot with uh with uh, separation anxiety is because you're leaving. You're never going to come back. You know, it, it's a very big, that's a very traumatic to, to, to them. Um, gorillas and, and the quote air quote here, higher intelligences within the animal kingdom tend to kind of see, you see the beginnings of the ability to displace or displace themselves temporally. Uh, so they kind of have an understanding of like, you know, they, they have a degree in which they can survive some suffering. Uh, which is a really weird thing to say, but the point is, is that like they can go through discomfort because they understand that that's not going to be a permanent fixture. Um, humanity, and this is this is really interesting. This is a really interesting turn. I wasn't actually expecting this to come up, but like humanity actually has a really really interesting history with the concept of pain. Um, if and I'm going to kind of stick green. Probably knows where I'm going to go with this. Uh, I just actually got done listening to Dan Carlin, uh, mm-hmm. Pain, Painfutainment, uh, which is an amazing, it's a four and a half hour podcast in which he kind of breaks out. And, and before you go listen, if you, if you're interested at all in the history of like pain, how he talks about like why pain is so interesting and why it's so prevalent in entertainment, um, and like the psychology behind that. And it's a very well done thing. 
but be sure to have it like don't go listen to that if you're not comfortable with very graphic concepts being discussed like and i don't mean like sexual graphic i mean like he he explains torture processes in great detail as part of like explaining the historical significance of why things happen and but the the overall goal was to show that like in in the scope of human human history the idea of this fascination of pain and this fascination of tragedy is very very prevalent it's actually uh, the actual modern modern human which which is in like in the 20th century we are actually the oddities in that we are very very um aware of the other person and, and you know in historical times there was there was a lot of desensitization to the other's pain and there's there's plenty of historical mm-hmm. reasons contextually why why all that but um yeah it, it it's it's an amazing like i'm actually probably going to listen to it again because i just it was amazing but as far as like I, I just I keep coming back to that idea that Beard had that like the emotions are inter- integrated into this sense of um, I don't really want to call it sentience, but it, it's like this this level of ability to think. It's like you can't have that consciousness or that that level of intellect without also having this. Like I I, I really like that idea. Like I think that's really an interesting. Um, interesting dichotomy actually now that i i'm thinking more on it and, it and justin you know going back to the science fiction tropes uh philip k dick isaac asimov with the positronic brains you know the androids from philip k dicks all of them also shared this component and that would make a lot of sense that like you you just it's something that's not it's like memory right there's no there's no physical repository of memories like you can't be like oh that's the memory box if you take that out you know you don't get memories back no it doesn't work that way a human brain is a holistic device. Like if you lose part of your brain, it's not like the brain can be like, Oh, well we didn't really need the motor skills. And that was a hundred percent in that, you know, unless yeah. you're, unless you're Phineas gauge, but, but even that had implications, like even that, brain. even that, even that actually had really bad issues. Um, and if you don't know who Phineas gauge is, do, do, do yourself a favor and go, go read the story of, of mm. the the development of lobotomies is what I'll just say there, um, but I mean, but right, I mean, even he he lost portion of his brain, and sure he was able to you know continue air quote again live, but did he? Was he still human? You know, that's that's where I kind of go with that one. But I know Justin, you had you had something. I know I was just gonna say uh, as your as you as you work your way up from. Uh, lower levels of consciousness all the way up to the top of the food chain. Uh, the ability to to feel and experience and internalize more complex um, emotional responses grows. So, mm-hmm. like you take a dog, for example, we use the example of the dog. Um, a lot of what the dog um, is able to feel that we would term emotion is very, it's, it's very egocentric. It's, it's all kind of centered around, you know, am I hungry? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I scared? Am I, am I in pain? Am I, you know, like ha- even, even when you, you go to some of the more complex emotions that a dog will feel, which are usually uh, centered around whether or not, 
the dog has pleased its master. Um, if we're talking modern day dog, that's, that's been domesticated. Um, even that kind of is rooted in a very egocentric place. Um, then you take a step up from a dog. And if you want to go to a chimpanzee or a gorilla, um, the, you know, the, the ability to kind of process these more complex, more nuanced emotional, um, paradigms kind of starts to emerge. Like you'll, you'll see where a gorilla is able to have an emotional connection to a physical thing that in, in a lot of cases isn't even living. Like there's, I mean, gorillas who have, uh, kind of formed an emotional bond with a doll, like a child's play mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they'll have a very strong emotional connection with this object. Now you kind of go back. I mean, I know a lot of people like to, like to, you know, we, we like to humanize our pets and, you know, attribute things to them that just aren't there. But, uh, that's just like an emotional level that a dog, I mean, a dog might have a, a favorite chew toy, that it really likes, but I, th- and I'm not an expert in animal psychology, but, um, I get the feeling that that's more, much more centered in the dog's, you know, psyche than, well, it's, it's about, some, the, it's about neurochemical responses more than, yeah, it, which I guess it's, you can it, argue is gets a shot of endorphins whenever it hears the squeak or whatever. Right. I um, guess you could argue though there that is that, is that different from an emotion though? Well, um, I, I think, you know, is, that gets, that gets I, into a debate. Yeah, no, go green. Sorry. Sorry. Can I like make a distinction yeah, yeah. kind of where you're going sure. with this, Justin? A dog, like you were saying, lives in the now. It doesn't have the, a huge amount of, of ability. It does have a slight amount of ability to create constructs in the future, or in the past. Mm-hmm. Whereas more advanced primates or us even have that ability, which allows us to make those emotional connections yeah. on, a, on a longer, and, longer scale. And I'll even take it, I'll take it one step farther and say, um, there's just a couple of basic imperatives for, for that are very survivalistic. And that's, that's survival of the, of the animal or individual. And then there's survival of its progeny. So those two things are imperatives that, you know, um, that, that guide animals a lot of the time. And there are even, there are even animals and there's times where an animal will abandon its, its progeny really quickly because if the, if the baby animal dies, then the baby animal dies. If the, if the adult animal dies, there can be no more baby animals. So it's it's a propagation of the species thing. Um, when you move upward, up the ladder of consciousness, if there were such a thing, and you get to human beings, like human beings start to to form bonds, and we we have very nebulous concepts such as love, and and other you know um, familial love and romantic love and all these other things that will make us do things that run very counter to survive basic survival instinct. And then, then when you add morals and, and learned morals and ethics into it, it it muddies the waters even further. So I'm, I'm not saying that at the base level, the, 
the endorphin rush that a dog gets from its favorite squeaker toy is any different from the endorphin rush that, you know, you get when, you know, you see a girl you love or, or a guy you love or whatever. I'm not saying that that's any different on a biological level. All I'm saying is that as the it's as as it's almost if we want to bring it back to exos as the operating system becomes more and more sophisticated the amount of connections for for empathic um you know connection and empathic reference and the amount of you know processing power increases you're able to relate things to other things more readily like i don't think a gorilla is capable of seeing something happen to another animal and say, how would that make me feel, you know, and, and process that uh, um, human beings are able to do that. And you can imagine a being that had a mind more, more sophisticated than a human being with more processing power and deeper memory banks would be capable of empathy on a whole nother level. If it were, you know, self-aware. Right. And I, before green real quick, before we jump, um, I, I do want to make, make a clarification point there too, because we do see, so, you know, to make this, to make this like really confusing is the idea of like, so like love, right. Everyone likes pointing out that this is a human thing, right. That, Oh, animals don't know this. Go look at swans. Mm hmm. Swans are penguins. Uh, yeah, penguins. Uh, I mean, swan. I guess swans are the just the classic example mm-hmm. because swans will bond for life. If a swan's mate dies, that swan that the the surviving mate does not reforge a bond. Usually, um, you see this even in dogs. You know, if uh, if a dog is especially connected to their owner or even another animal. And that animal or owner passes, a dog will often pass away very shortly after, uh, mm-hmm. because there there is a there is a a connection there, and that's where like as from a psych- psychological standpoint, that's where it gets really really difficult to say that there's not a um, a biological component to an emotion, because you know you can't say in the one hand that the humans are the superior species. Because we have, and I, I know that's not what you're saying, Justin, just, just to reiterate, that's not what you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, it's very difficult to say that, you know, well, humans have emotions because our brain is built this way, but then you see, you literally see the exact same motions in, um, in a species that arguably from our perception is lesser than us on on the scale of like what you're saying on a scale of consciousness um and and so what it what it actually points out to me is that there there's a more dynamic uh flow going on here than just the size of a brain or the the chemicals that are flowing inside the brain um but the other thing that you were saying is like as as uh, humans age you know you see this a lot with uh, the growth in uh, m- a lot of people call it muscle memory, um, but your your number of synapses firing right as you develop your brain and that, or as you develop your brain develops and they're one of the reasons that that happens is because just like any other muscle, as you use it, 
you gain more of it. So the brain has synapses, which is basically the synapses is the connection between neurons in your brain through which electron or uh, the electronic flow of, you know, connections that that's where that all that that whole mess, that gray matter in between your ears, um, you know, that's what's going on is there's there's an electric current going back and forth, back and forth. And your synapses are fine. I have an easy fine. analogy for you on that one. Go for it. Go for it. The simplest analogy for how a synapse develops, or at least develops to be an actual full-fledged memory or easy pathway for muscle memory, Mm -hmm. is similar to thinking of making a dirt road for the first time. You're driving down this area that's never been driven on before. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to have a lot of problems. You're going to probably go slow and struggle through it. But the more you drive it, the easier it becomes until it becomes a dirt road that's easily traversed. Yep. And yeah, and, and those are and and those dirt roads or you know, whatever you want to those are called synaptic bridges. Um and so that's where you you see the brain cells communicating with each other is through those synaptic bridges. Um Justin Justin threw it in chat. Um and that's where you get these really cool things in the brain called engrams. Um and I know Justin has Justin can explain those far better than I can actually, because he, he has a if he if he remembers, Justin, do you remember? Do you remember your explanation of engrams? Yeah, yeah. Engrams are just the dirt road analogy is very, very apt, very apt, and they're they're exactly that. They're well worn paths, um, in your brain. They're synaptic connections that form these kind of chains, and. Those chains are the best, you know, physical equivocation of what your memories are. And the funny thing about your brain is for each memory, you might have dozens of, well, it's just more than dozens. It's probably hundreds or thousands, but um, of engrams. And they're all stored in different places in your brain. So like, say, if you had a, a... a wonderful lunch with Justin and it's just the, was the highlight of your year. Um, your, we're not, your we're brain not projecting, team, we're not projecting this at all. No, we're not projecting anything, but it would be. Um, <laughs> so, um, anyway, your You're brain, ladies, he is taken. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, your brain would actually, uh, would actually store engrams in different places. So like, uh, your brain would store the engram in the um, God. I'm the, taste. The, in, yeah, the taste center of your brain, for lack of a better word, um, the olfact olfactory center. Um, the way my cologne smells would store in a different place. Is bo? Um, yeah, no, no, but yeah, yeah. I've heard it's delightful. Um, so, and then the. <laughs> You know, and then the visual cortex it would be where would be where the engram for for the lovely way I looked, and all these things would would all be engrams related to one single memory, one single mm-hmm. memory. But they'd all be stored in different places, kind of fragmented throughout your brain. Um, and you know, blue, you know better than any of us what would a computer program like to do with all those fragmented <laughs> and grants? Well, and that's, and that's where, you know, you get like, you get this, this weird, this weird juxtaposition, right? Because like 
you're right. The computer wants to simplify it. The computer wants to to condense it and, you know, all this stuff. But at the same time, um, it's really hard to argue that uh, it's usually called synaptic, um, synaptic uh, bridges. It's really hard to argue that those are not more efficient in, in some ways. Um, and so like we, we have, we are, we are starting to see even in our world today, we're starting to see like this movement to, to push, um, what's, what's coined as artificial neural networks, uh, which basically they're, they are, the easiest way to explain it is a positronic brain, uh, for anyone who's familiar with science fiction, uh, that, that, Will probably make sense for those who might not be familiar, super familiar with the history of science fiction. Uh, positronic brain is a explanation device that Isaac Asimov used for his androids, right? The, the super, you know, human-like machines that weren't machines, but they were they were like machines. Um, and it's basically, uh, you know, and like Asimov never really explained it because it was kind of his his get out of jail free card, um, but. The idea is that, like, in today's world, what they're starting to do is they're starting to mimic what's called a multi-layer, multi-layer structure of of memory encoding capabilities, and that allows for the network to communicate on... It, it's basically like creating a, a physical... Scaffolding. Yeah, it's... Oh, gosh, now I have Fraggle Rock stuck in my head. I'm sorry. Not, no, I, I mean, there's, yeah, there's other scaffolding. I, yeah, well, no, I like, know, but now, now I've have the. Oh God, what? It's like, it's like the framework <laughs> of a house. Yes, but now I can't help it. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's fine. This is case, case case in point. Case in point. This is like this is the way memory works. Is weird connections. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll definitely link, I have a couple episodes or a couple of articles that are talking about like artificial synapses, um, replications being used to try to replicate the, the, it's, it's basically the speed of which a human can make connections to seemingly unrelated objects. Uh, this is really important. And this is kind of one of the things that you know, when we when we talk about the development of AI, uh, of machine learning and stuff like that, this is very important because humans have this knack uh, of seeing disparate, desperate uh, pieces of information and connecting them. And machines cannot like that. That's an innovativeness that machines don't have because machines think on a on a, you know, a very. uh, uh a very linear process that one plus one equals two. That's all that the machine, you know, but you have to tell the machine one plus one equals two. Well, then when you say, you know, two plus one, what does that equal? If you have not told the machine that two plus one equals three, then the machine's going to be like, I don't know. It's not one plus one, you know, that whereas a human can kind of step out and kind of deduct that deductive reasoning is very, very human. Um, actually it's really anything kind of organic. Uh, but that, and that actually kind of brings me to, the next point that I really kind of wanted to kind of jump into is like, this begs the question, are exos artificial? Are they, are they actually artificial intelligence or are they, or are they natural intelligence within an artificial body? And what, what is, you know, what is, and that, that lack or sorry, that, that presence of, of innovation and of deductive reasoning to me at least points to it being the former, not the latter. 
So like, I, and I don't know beard or Justin, I don't know if you guys want to jump in on that one on your thoughts there. But to me, it seems like the exos are very obvious. It, to me, it's obviously a, a natural intelligence put into an artificial body. Um, now we can also start talking, you know, Justin, you'll know what I'm talking about here. Beard will beard. You'll recognize double sleeving. Um, you know, I don't know if we're talking Ooh. that right. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if we're talking about that. That's a uh, shout out to altered carbon for those who might oh. have watched that. But like basically the concept of, um, multiple instances of the same personality in the same reality. You see, and this is, this is still a debate that I kind of have with myself is like, this would explain, this is one possible explanation to the number behind the exos. This is Cade six. It's not that it's the, it's not five other Cades. That's my point. Because the other thing, the problem, the problem that I have right now. Okay. So here's the problem that I, this is just my personal issue with this is the common the common interpretation of the number is that that's the number that has been, that's the number of how many times they've been reset. Okay. Which is fine. That's, that's, that's a, it's, it's a solid theory and all that. My problem is, is that we also have repeated references to the number being etched in their skin. So my, my problem there is, so when they get reset, is there some mystical force that's etching a new number into their skin? Because how does that change? Right? Well, like, that's the battle, and they constantly do it. The- are they, are they, is, okay, here's, here's my question, and it's, it, it relates to that. A human consciousness, consciousness inside of an artificial cell, shell with an artificial system that allows them to use their human consciousness, would the shell be able to handle a human consciousness, or would the shell break down? And they have to be rebooted into new shells. And see, that's a very that's a very Philip K. Dick uh, short story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. he actually he plays with that entire that entire little loophole system mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, one of my favorite short stories from him is uh, an android who is a planet cracking bomb, and he's time to go off and the thing that's going to activate his bomb is when he realizes that he's not human. And so like there it's, it's a fascinating story. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I mean, you know, I, I, I love the concept. We don't have any example of an exo getting a new number. And that, and that's my problem, right? That's my problem with the idea that the number is correlated with the numbers of resets is we have your uh fell winter um there is saladin's introduction speech from destiny one uh fell winter and went uh fell winter from destiny one when he's talking to teamer there's a couple references elsewhere i'm i'm blanking but there's a couple there's a i know there's at least one other one that i cannot remember but those two both reference the number being physically etched onto the the exo um you know teamer references the number on Fellwinter. uh saladin in his in one of the, my favorite speeches of his is talking you know do you, as an exo do you look down at that number etched in your skin and wonder what it means you know th- there is 
there is something that is physically present there. And if it if it's a number that's correlated with the number of times that they go to the deep stone, um, first off, that implies that they're physically going to the deep stone crypt, which you know has its own issues. But if they're not going there, then there's something that's updating that. It like you know there is something that's updating that number. It's probably that cool laser etcher thing that erases rust <laughs> that we've seen on Reddit so much. <laughs> It's that's why that's why Banshee has the 3D printer. There you go. That mystery solved. They all go. They all exos have to check in with Banshee. Oh, God. Banshee can't remember his own number half the time. Right. Which I mean, and and so that the interesting thing there is like, why? Why is that? Why can't? Is it seriously because Banshee has been reset? Some, and with Banshee's situation, I think that's basically been confirmed that it's because of his resets. But. You know, I mean, what, Justin, I know you have some, Justin, stop me before I just go down this rabbit hole any further. Yeah, yeah, no, Banshee's running Windows XP. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he's not. He's running Windows Me, Uh, because if he was running Windows XP, he would still be functional fine. He'd be okay. He'd be okay. Okay. Um, No, I was just going to say, I think think there's a, a real temptation to say, our... You know, because there's all the all the info in Cade's journal um, that that really lends to the exos being seeded by um, a a pre-existing human consciousness, um, and it being more of a procedure. Like we, you know, I don't know if you've seen the movie Chappie. Um, not not yet. I did watch Black Mirror though. Oh, uh, you've got to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about that. But yeah, if, you, if you've seen the movie, if you've seen the movie Chappie, basically, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it, but a big, a big part of that is is um, moving a human consciousness into, in, mapping a human consciousness and moving it into a, uh, you know, an artificial construct. Um, but the thing that I always that I balk at when I think of oh so the the Cade the Cade example that must prove that all exos were seeded from you know like an actual human a human consciousness um, the the exos were war machines and we don't know the specifics of the war that they we know they mm-hmm. were at least used as war machines initially right mm-hmm. and we we're not too sure on the scale or the scope of, of the conflict that they were used in. Um, other than that, it, it had to have been pretty massive, right? It's hard for me to believe. It's hard for me to believe that there were enough, um, there were enough human consciousness willing or otherwise to pour in, to pour into these, to these exo war machines, unless we're talking about some sort of, some sort of cloned double sleeving, like, like blue is talking about from, I, I like the double sleeving sort of, idea. Yeah. It, it would have to be like that because there's just no way, you know, you can always, um, enlist the unwilling for things like that, but there's just not enough of them for a whole army. So the, for that reason, for that reason, um, I kind of think either they, they were copies of, of human consciousness um, I I wanted to say consciousnesses, um, but I, 
I resisted. Either they were copies or um, the Cade Clovis Bray experiment was just that. It was an experiment. Um, but it, the business model is just not very efficient, if you ask me. So either they're copies or there were a couple of transfers and most of them were uh, completely artificial and seeded by the the dreaded deep stone subroutine. Oh, what do you think? I, I'm I'm still stuck on my double sleeving idea. Yeah, I mean because you that's, know that's to be honest, because to be honest, who who else would be completely comfortable with double sleeving for war machines than Clovis Bray? Yeah, yeah, and that's completely that's completely fine. I just the the kind of prevailing sentiment, or at least in my, in my opinion, after after we got the the Treasure Island Journal and then mm-hmm. some of the subsequent Cade bits of lore was that Cade gotten deep gotten hot water. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right, right, right. And and then became an exo. And yes. I I think if that is the way that that happened, it it might not have been the only the only instance of that, but it's it's probably not a very widespread thing. Because there's just none uh, of people But but we but here's the, the here's my counter argument to that is that we also know that the ind- the the corporation that Cade got into deep doo doo with, which was Clovis Bray, also has a running track record of doing exactly that to make sure that people cooperate with them. Mm-hmm. So There's I mean, mentions about Clovis Bray with all, within a lot of exo lore. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Clovis Bray has the exo science division. Well, like, I mean, they, I'm not saying that they're not central to the central to the storyline. No, no, I'm and just, I guess my my connection there was the fact that like Cade was not a unique case in that he got manipulated into doing what Clovis wanted or Clovis Bray's corporation wanted him to do because of a debt. That's by yeah. no means as unique to to Cade. Yeah, no. But but I, I don't think that even even with all of Clovis Bray's graft, there would you could, could that'd be a lot of work running around what, and doing all it? the legwork I mean, go, to coerce I mean, enough people I, to make an. Well, I think, but but if you have the ability to double sleeve, if you can make one copy, you can make a whole. Oh bunch. yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, we have we have what Banshee forty four. You know, I mean, like, because that also begs the question, like, you know, if you're if you're just looking for foot soldiers, they don't really I mean, it doesn't matter if they go slightly catatonic, you know, they, as long as they follow orders, they don't care. You know, it, yeah. it's you know, it's it's the whole stormtrooper mentality or clone trooper mentality. Right. You know, I mean, we'd like them to sh- shoot a little better than stormtroopers. But, yeah. well, oh, gosh, don't don't get on that argument because stormtroopers are uh that that goes into a debate between e the expanded universe and the cinematic universe, but we're not we're not going to go there. Um, but like, I mean, because I, I guess like my thing is is like, given the idea of 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 double sleeving of multiple copies, whatever you want to call it, you know, and then also understanding that Clovis Bray had a strong tradition of strong arming people into doing whatever they wanted them to do. Um. You know, and that it wasn't just mercenaries like Cade. It was scientists. You know, the entire uh, Siva fragments are scientists who are mostly getting strong armed into it. The entire Al sector records. You see uh, June 
which I can't remember which which letter patient he was. But June is only in the experiment because he owes Clovis Bray a ton of money. And, you know, that didn't end well for him. So it, it's like there's there's multiple instances. And I and um, I correlate within the Al sector records even basically calls it out and said because like one of the Al sector specialists is like, man, I've never seen this in the records. And, and I is like, oh, well, you haven't seen them in your records. We 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 know about this. Like this is this is a well-known documented fact about Clovis Bray. So I, I, I just I don't think that the the number of people that they could strong arm, I think it would be astounding. Which I think, you know, is what makes Beard look up to them so much, right? Isn't isn't that right, Beard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I I love corporations. What are you talking about? Except for umbrella. Well, our business is life story. itself. Al, me and me and Mr. Wesker can have a talk any day of the week. Oh, Wesker. Um. So I mean, yeah, I, I guess I kind of, kind of is for me though. This this is the biggest question about exos is really the the underlying nature of the intelligence within the frame you know that that to me really is where i i find the exos the most fascinating so like i i could i could yeah. spend all day and i and of course as as i was watching altered carbon as soon as they started talking about double sleeving i was like oh oh no mm-hmm. my brain just broke uh-huh. because I don't because it basically it basically put it right. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna definitely. But it's a con. It's basically it's a concept of like the same the same personality in multiple shells. It's it's not unique to altered carbon by any stretch of the imagination. But it's they do a really good job in showing it. Um, and you want to know another one that does a really good job in showing it and making you go, "Oh my god, friggin' Soma." Which one? Soma. Oh, you remember the, the horror game, the guys that did an, uh, Amnesia? Oh, yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I heard it, that one was pretty, uh, pretty intense. A little bit. Yeah. Um, with, without spoilers or anything, it's worth it. Nice. So real quick, Green, I know we had a couple. So like going back to this this debate about, you know, exos and their connection to artificial intelligence and all that. Um, what do you do you I'm trying to figure out how to best segue into this. Uh, what updates do you have on that question? Indeed, that's terrible. I don't know. Yeah, I'm really bad. Um, at segues, OK, so unless they're unintentional and then I can't I, I tried to take credit for them, but I can't. Well, I mean, there's it's, there's a tiny bit of a segue going into some of the information that I've noticed that we've gotten in D2 that are surprising. Things that I found notable as far as uh, EXO updates. One of them is a scannable. And thank you to, and I can't think of his name right now, uh, Raiden KR. Uh, at Raiden KR in, on Twitter, he's been sending me 
a lot of scannables that he's been finding and just kind of re-reminding me since I found a lot of them already and have them in the maps. I, I went through them so fast, I didn't really absorb them as much as I thought I did. And he reminded me of this one on Nessus and the Tangle. And it's a ghost scan where he says, ah, I think this conflux reacted to your exo body. So obviously you have to be an exo to hear it. And then it burned out. Is there some connection between exos and the Vex? That can't be. And there's actually like one other scannable, and I don't think I have it here in our show note that actually mentions the same concept that the Vex and the... It's on I- It's on IO. I thought, yeah, well, because isn't... There's a the, junction point, too, that exists. Because isn't the one in right. the Tangle the one that he's like, oh, well, it's probably Cade messing with stuff. That's well, if you are not right, that, exactly. but that's the one that yeah. you just read. If you're not an EXO, it's like okay. No, this is why this two. is why we don't let him out of the tower. There's a few of them. Like if you are if you play an EXO, you get a lot more when it comes to the scannables. When it comes to being EXO, than you would if you don't. I mean, there are some EXO esque scannables, and I'm just saying EXO over and over. Um, <laughs> gosh. Hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> just is like continue, continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like where you're going. Differences, but you know, overall, the exoscannables seem to be there for a reason to showcase that it isn't just Cade that was able to with them. You could argue that the Vex were able to manipulate uh, something to allow Cade to interface with them, but then the question would be why. Well, there's also instances or a scannable that mentions an exo trying to interface with the Vex. So going from us to them instead of them to us. That and, and there's different frameworks that they have that are similar to the Vex. We've already kind of talked touched on that a bit. Um, two other things are actually treasure maps from Cade. We exos must have ha- made it in the golden age. Just my presence alone seems to bypass any security measures in the arcologies. <laughs> so Cade can go anywhere, yeah. um, which I makes me that... wonder if he's the one who got into Rasputin originally. Mm. Which it also makes you already. wonder makes you wonder what it is about Cade's person. What is what is it? Cade's individual personality. Hmm? Well, Cade was already somebody who had worked there, so he would have security clearance for certain areas. Yeah, and he and we do have history of him being a security specialist with them. So, uh, the other one that I think is super interesting and actually throws us all the way back into our lost lore a little bit is an update on the deep store deep stone crypt. Sort of, it's not a confirmed thing. It's just an inference, but it's a very uh, titillating inference. And it's on Io Treasure Map. And you know Eris Morn, right? Creepy three-eyed old hunter, too much foundation? Doesn't matter. She comes in and asks me how Io was. And I say, wrong vanguard, ask Ikora. And she's like, I was hoping that cash by the bone bones marked your grave. And I'm like, I'm an exo. I left my bones behind a long time ago. And she goes, exactly. You get anything from that? Cade's six. <laughs> so it's like... Eris thinks Cade's bones are on Io. Or either that or she's just being Eris and Cade. I just love the fact that too much foundation? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Too much foundation. <laughs> I think the mascara is what... That's where I was going to say. <laughs> but that's just me. Like, I don't look at her face and say too much foundation. 
I mean, I don't look at her face anymore anyway. I know it's sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so really, really quick. I yeah, have, I was about to say, Justin, you want to take I this one? Thought, yeah, no, Make no. Make me happy can I, again. Can I step back one? Because we, we, we kind of scrobbled over the one that I want to say something about. Sorry. It's okay. For, you're forgiven. You're scrobbling. Um, <laughs> no, uh. The the one that said we XO must have had it made back in the golden age. Just my presence alone seems to bypass any activity, any active security measures in the arcologies. I was thinking about this. Could this be that this in it in and of itself was a security measure? So think of the of the XOs as being maybe like a security force that mm-hmm. gets deployed if there's an alarm. Um you would want your security force to be able to just like waltz through everything right to where the problem was. So like doors open, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, so maybe, maybe that's, that's why that is, is they, you know, they were the security force. Maybe sky shock. Never mind. We're not going down no, that just, road. <laughs> just, um, the other thing is, uh, real quick, the, the distinction there is that that would be the arcology, not Clovis Bray. Mm-hmm. And that's, the arc- that's, arcology um, I call was that. Well, the arcology was very <laughs> creepy town. Which Why do you ruin there? the names for everything? You ruin the names. Now I can't help. Uh, creepy town. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> anyways, Won't you take me the, to fair point though. Arcology was very. This. Arcology was very anti Clovis Bray. Yeah. And so their their technology that Clovis Bray would have for security, I would think the arcology would actually do the exact opposite. It would lock down. Mm. Hmm. I, I I don't know if that would be the case. I mean, that's a, that's assuming a lot. That's assuming that the arcology is a competing corporation by I mean, itself. I mean, we have instances of them stealing stuff from Clovis Bray. Right, but do you think they, as a competing thing, they would definitely take the opposite or use the things that they're stealing from Clovis Bray? Uh, I see what you're saying. Okay, fair, fair point, fair point. And maybe that, and again, that brings up what's so interesting about Cade, because then if they're doing that, then there would also be, you would also assume there is a distinction between um, arcology tech and Clovis Bray tech, right? Arcology tech is a trying to recreate similar things that the light can do as far as natural esque. What was it? The pineapples and kiwi cucumbers <laughs> and stuff like yeah. that. Why would, why I'm like of all the fruit you pick pineapples to be weirded what? out about. But uh, yeah. think about it. Think about it. Kiwi cucumber. Those are two foods. Pine, pine tree and apple you put those together that doesn't sound right i mean i i get where the name comes from with because it looks like a pine cone but you know mm-hmm. it just i mm-hmm. get where they did i just i get it i get it i i, I mean no, I, I get, get what you're saying like like i don't like bananas because they make me think you want to keep my grandma out of stuff because it's like ban <laughs> nana like nana can't come so like now I'm so glad that's the direction you went with that instead of yeah. where I thought you were going to start going with what? that. I just want my grandma to be able to watch the show again. Like, so <laughs> can you fix the screen. 
This is my way of saying you might be being too literal with this. But that's like why the ghost would think it would be weird, okay? Poor, that's poor just blue. what I'm saying. Poor blue. poor blue. I'm the one that, okay, never mind. <laughs> Only in creepy. I, I, I love, I love pineapples simply because it's the one fruit that nature's like, I dare you. <laughs> dare you. Eat this. Have you tried a dragon fruit? Um, yeah, actually I have. Dragon was kind of pissed off, but, um, <laughs> see what you did no. there. I see it. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. Uh, it was like, yeah, I have but, fruit, but I yeah. saw oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. See, that I was... missed the pun from last week. That was show stopping enough that it made Twitter. Mm. I'm. <laughs> I'm glad we're making up for it. You're going to have to be. I've got a joke later in my shout outs for beard, but I want to hear the roar. I don't. Okay. I'll send it to Jay. (laughs) Don't don't enable him. Why are you? (laughs) That'd be awesome. If we had that for a drop, every time I said something stupid, just. (laughs) Are we enabling him? Why? That is an excellent this is idea. This is an excellent idea. This is not Speaking what I intended. I mean, it's, it's much easier. It's much easier than a train horn. <laughs> um, which that's that's another name, throwback. But yeah, go back, go, Justin. What what do you got? I, I just I didn't know. Do we want to maybe enable our good friend Beard to give us a rundown of some of the most famous exos? Oh boy. That's a segue, by the way, folks. Nice. Kids at home, that's tradecraft yeah. there. I certainly can. I could probably commit most of them to memory, to be honest. Just trying to remember. Do we... Yeah, we... Saint-14, uh, the obvious, of course, very head-lead titan that everybody knows and loves at this point, though maybe not as much as they used to because of certain things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um the if you if you don't know Saint Fourteen, um, what game have you been playing? What lore have you been listening to? Uh, let's see. Next is of course Cade Six. If you don't know this hunter, then you're just not playing the game. Um, <laughs> Stranger. If you uh, if you don't know this one, you could probably be forgiven. Uh, but that's no. mostly because of story direction. I mean, if, wait a minute. No, if uh, you're forgiven. if you're if a if you're a PC player only, you can be forgiven. That's yeah, okay. Fair. That's fair. Uh, maybe. That yeah. Fair. Okay. I can do that. No, that's that's fair. That's yep. completely fair. Uh, Exo Stranger, however, of course, comes from Destiny One. Uh, she is our uh, was supposedly rumored to be the main protagonist that ended up leading us through. <laughs> Didn't end up happening. Uh, ended up being. A portion of the story also didn't necessarily end up happening. Uh, was there, wasn't there, is she still there, is she in pieces? Uh, who could say? Uh, Fellwinter. So. Yeah, I'm going to say, don't don't get me started. Mm-hmm. Just please don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Rehash uh, the pain. No, no, no. This is why you don't enable Justin. Um <laughs> Next is Felwinter. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well done, sir. Uh, next is Felwinter. He is the um, 
possibly possibly that's his name maybe that's his name maybe that's not his name uh, as we talked about earlier in the show uh, could be Clovis Bray probably isn't uh, no confirmation there in but uh, you know spin foil abounds mm-hmm. that's what we're here for um, I think Ish. the <laughs> so Felwinter is uh, was a warlock was an iron lord uh, he was a Jerk. Predominantly, uh, he was predominantly a void warlock. Uh, throwing at the few nova bombs, hitting up the things pretty hard. Uh, was very interested in understanding his number. Was very interested in understanding Clovis Bray. A uh, number of different things that kind of go along with the ideas behind a winter. Uh, supposedly had died at the uh, at the battle for the first uh, at the first Siva crisis. Uh, Lakshmi 2, uh, if you don't know this one, then you're also not playing the game, but she is, uh, the leader of Future War Cult, uh, or at least a representative therein. Uh, she's extremely, seems to have a very storied history when it comes to, like, who it was helping, uh, so much as it is, like, her reasons for joining and operating or helping to operate the War Cult, uh, very, very big and possible uh, in in a lot of the city function. Uh, possibly is able to travel through time, though that is also not good. Uh, Ariana three. Uh, this one is one of the best love stories in the game, uh, along with one of the best motorcycles. Apparently, uh, the thing with Ariana three is more because of waning. Uh, but the the two of them actually have a very interesting past. Uh, if you're not familiar with Wei Ning, she's also a very interesting person looking. Uh, the largest thing with Ariana, however, is she was a Praxic Warlock, uh, mainly a Sun Singer, from what we know. Uh, she unfortunately was killed at the first Crota Fire uh, with the first Crota Fire team. Uh, we no longer have. Too much to go by for her. Uh, Banshee 44 is the next one. Uh, Banshee is, of course, the gunsmith. Everybody's pretty well familiar with him. The uh, largest thing about Banshee is that he has apparently been reset 44 times. Uh, We are not uh, necessarily sure, I guess, about how that ends up going down. Uh, But his memory is completely screwed up. Uh, interesting fact about Banshee, he is basically the uh, operator or at least organizer of a good majority of the foundries that exist within the game. Uh, so pretty interesting little topic for him. He's, yeah, you're you're making a guy that doesn't really remember much take care of a lot of foundries. Great, great idea there. I uh, <laughs> see the problem. That that explains where they've been. Banshee forgot about them. It also um, explains why I get the same gun every time I go to him. I'm seriously tired. Did I give this to you last time? Yes. I can't remember. <laughs> You've given that to me the last like twelve times, Banshee. No, I haven't. I'm not that bad. I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. Also, I'm Batman. Apparently, <laughs> um, at, least, at least he has an excuse. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, RNG. You don't have an excuse. Um, another is Mist One. This is unconfirmed. Um, I'm actually not too familiar with Mist. 
uh, Cerulean not... Flash. Oh, it's... that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like one or two little instances of uh, of mist, but we don't really know too much. Yeah, it's... we might have we might have missed one or two. Well, I mean, it's it's <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to growl anymore. I suppose my heart, my heart the... is so full. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, this is why we don't enable him. I know it's my fault. I, yes, I admit it is. it's yes, my it fault. Is. It's entirely yeah. your fault. I will. I will own that. Uh, Miss one is currently only mentioned in this really in Flash. The reason why we're not confirming them because it's actually referred to as a they there's no um male or female pronoun assigned to them Mm -hmm. and it's just i don't know it's it's a very not solidified it could be a it could be a temp team not a tim it could be a team a tim well i thought i thought that was worried yeah i thought it was uh emmer and missed one because there's two there's two individuals in cerulean flash there's mist one and then emeriza emeriza i don't even know how to say that one now i gotta pull up the card i'm gonna say give it no there's there's two individuals and then there's amanda who's flying the jump ship that's like going all over the place which is not a surprise at all but and, um, oh no, yeah, making everybody mis- mad because she's flying under the zone. <laughs> because she's like, I'm entertaining people, and you can just deal with it. Emerza. Emerza? So, that's how yeah, I'd say Emerza, it. Emerza. So I th- that's how I read it, was Mist and Emerza. After missing last year's with their sickness, they they looked down. Mist yeah, one had been looking it. forward. Mist mm-hmm. one had been looking forward to the air show for months. So yeah, I would, uh, I, I would almost say that that's going to end up being an ecto of some kind. The only um, reason why I yeah I can see what you're question saying, it, Green. I question it partially because of the wording in the card, and also we've never had any other instance of a singular, mm-hmm. like um, a one exo exo one. Oh right. yes, that's true. Yep, that's that's what my hang up would be on it too. I'm unless unless agreeing. it's like a a frame. The true a new one, yeah. I gotta say, the reading would at least imply that it is an exo. But if it is an exo, does that imply that we're able to make new ones? Well, because that would also be the larger yeah. case that would end up popping yeah. through there. I think. Yeah, because like, if it were a frame, it would have two numbers, right? Right. Well, we only know we only know three models of frames. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, so it, I mean, it like, would have a model and a and a wide. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Um, I was gonna say the Come other exo that we know is Gaunt. Gaunt, but Gaunt doesn't have a number behind his name. Uh, I thought it was Gaunt Four. Mm. No, uh, no, it might. Not. Well, it might be. I hang on. Let me look again. I I forget. I would have to look it up. I've got it written down somewhere. Um, uh, but yeah, Gaunt is another one. Yeah, and then Wizard. We have that's the seventy-seven three. win. No, yeah. I, yeah, it's just Gaunt. It's just Gaunt. And seventy-seven just Wizard. Mm-hmm. Wizard. Uh, there is another one too after this one, but Tanasha Three, uh, who is actually named Ash Raven, uh, we get confirmation that Exos do like to at least hide themselves, or at least try to over the course of um, 
of the the dark ages which may possibly suggest some kind of uh i don't i don't want to know if I, I i don't know if i want to say like witch hunt or something but a little bit more distrust between exos and the other races that may have existed uh on earth with the with the rising uh, with the first risen uh especially when we get confirmation of like two that are changing their names out like that uh the last one is Kron 8. Uh, we didn't, I don't think we have him on the list here, but he is a uh, current uh, SRL racer. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he is, uh, forget where he's showcased. His uh, his bigger ones actually have been uh, about the, the engine. I have it on my, uh, on my PS4. I can't, I can't remember what it is because... My memory is fading, and I'm getting old. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> I just saw well, that. I, I'm sorry about your memory too, but I just saw what Blue put in chat, and this one makes me sad. Um, this is sorry. Go finish. Go ahead, finish beer. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna say her too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was. There's a story behind that one. <laughs> yeah. There's also, uh, or not also, but the the one I was thinking of is called the Vanishing Point. Uh, but it mm, was mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. letter from uh, Ron to Amanda, and it actually goes over um, how he's trying to put an NLS drive in a sparrow, <laughs> uh, which is hysterical for one thing, uh, extremely dangerous for another. Uh, but who guard. really cares? It sounds fantastic. And he's a uh, guardian. You know, he gonna, doesn't care. I'm just, I'm just going to read it because it's that good. Uh, Vanishing point. Definition. The point at which you're so far behind you can't even see me anymore. Cron 8. Hi, Cron. Got your mail about the new Sparrow engine idea. I gotta say, I've seen engines that manipulate space-time to make parallel lines converge. It's not too different from how NLS drives work. But what you might notice about an NLS drive is that jump ship... Uh, it's affixed to is usually activating it outside a planetary gravity well. Sparrows don't exactly have that luxury. Not yet, anyway. Now, that's not me saying no. All I'm saying is we're going to have to get creative. Stop by the hangar when you get the chance. I've got a few ideas I think you'll like. Uh, I love how Amanda's actually giving this a creative chance like it's amanda. i know it's racing. amanda of course you will it's like i it's know like, it's, oh. it's like <laughs> a justin it's like justin coming up with something and blue's like okay we'll we're gonna give it a chance can you say we'll we'll it can you hey you know what <laughs> God, he's gonna he's not gonna let me live that one down uh, no. but uh no the other the other one that that reminds me of is the one where marcus ren is trying out the uh what is it? The oh, he's trying out something, and he's like, uh, "If I start, if I start disintegrating, can you just shoot me?" And they're like, oh, "Wait, it's, an, you, uh, it's you, not Frosties. It's yeah, the, no, it is. One. It's a Stompies, Stompies, Stompies. Yeah. Yes. And he's, Stompies. And he's he's trying he's trying to coerce his friends into just shooting him if he starts disintegrating. Mm-hmm. He's like, it hurts. I don't want to. <laughs> These SRL guys are like absolutely ludicrous, and I love the fact that they painted them this way. You, know, you, you would just expect that these guys are going to be like adrenaline junkies, yeah. and that's all they are. <laughs> Two words. They're like the Mount, Two words. They're like the Mount Sparrow guys from the jousting. I still want to do that. 
You know, like, the best the bet that's one of the better cards too, because it's Raul being like, Don't let them see this. He's like, he's like, he's, he's a hundred percent. He's like, I know exactly what they will do if they see this concept. Don't like, I have seen way too many guardians jump off the tower. I already know what's going to happen. You know, the problem with fixing a joust on the front of a sparrow. There's a lot of problems, but what? Yes. Go. If we try to go up a hill, that's a little that's, too steep. That's one of the yeah. problems. You're gonna it's you're gonna pole vaulting. The next gonna, the next guardian adventure. You're gonna have a. You gotta angle your nose up. <laughs> um. No. So another another one of the exos is Taco Three, which is like that's the one that makes me sad. So green was uh, green was in the fire. It was in the chat when when I was playing that strike for the team. first oh yeah you were you were actually in because that's right because it was you, you me ben and ben and ben was the one that was like why are you taking so long i'm like shut up <laughs> taco's talking you're not allowed to talk yeah <laughs> and then the, and the taco there's no crystals <laughs> i know i was like no Jeez. no no <laughs> like okay just give him a minute <laughs> uh-huh like out of all the things that we've gone through so far, as far as like pull the heartstrings and missions in D2, that one is the one that gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That I is a have, well-written strike. I do have Send Me Your pulled up here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We would like to. Thanks for that. Yeah. You know, oh, it's all right. I got to get you back for these grizzly roars somehow. <laughs> um <laughs> Zen Meteor, uh, complete awareness, complete focus. Mind sharpened by diligence to a single deadly point. The writings of Taco 3, Praxic Deconstruction. Exo have always known that a machine is capable of the gap between the physical and the numinous. It is from that knowledge, my collaboration with two guardians, Hunter Uzoma Vale, warlock they call the Stoic, that the Zen Meteor was born. This groundbreaking weapon uses electro. Hang on, electro. Electroins. Electroins. Oh boy, this is a word and a half. Electroins. Phallography. Electroins. Phallography to draw energy from the wielder's neural activity. It can even, if a certain threshold is meant, convert that energy into matter to be used as concussive ammunition. Or to be more precise, the more focused the wielder's mind, the more powerful the weapon. Kid you not, the first time I read that word, I was like, huh? Electroencephalography. Encephalography. Oh, God, yeah. Yes, thank you. I think I'll go with that one. That's a little bit better off. Uh, I would also... Here, hang on, hang on. I got... And move on. Oh no! Hang on. It's not gonna play. Yeah, I don't. You have, typed I it have, into Google, didn't you? Yeah, I totally typed it in. Are you kidding me? I saw that <laughs> word and I immediately typed that into Google. Uh huh. It's You're like, like um, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna grace elect- like disgrace myself with that <laughs> with that attempt. Electroencephalography. I'm gonna oh, say I is it is it electroencephalography? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's well, that's the- not hard. It's <laughs> <laughs> the me- it's the measurement of electro electrical activity in different parts of the brain and the recording yeah. of such activity. It's an EF it's a um 
EFK or bleh, bleh, bleh. God, what is yeah EEG EEG EEG. If you guys meant that, why didn't you just say that? You can't see the signal I'm sending through. Cue the growl. Please cue the growl. Cue the growl. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. Okay, so... Play this game, if that's going to be available for me to utilize. <laughs> yes. There, need, a, need a hot button. Hmm. Uh, there is one word, and besides the EEG word, that I'm never going to try to say again, because Justin's <laughs> in the in the chat. Um, Numinous yeah. uh, is having a strong religious or spiritual quality, indicating or suggesting the presence of a divinity. The strange Numinous beauty of this ancient landmark uh, synonyms are like spiritual, religious, divine, holy, sacred, stuff like that. So. Yeah. Did not know that one. That's a new one on me. Well, there. Yeah. You know the, the thirteen-syllable word, but I, not you the know, four one. I think you'll learn, Beard, that I will be proven wrong numinous times. <laughs> spiritually, <laughs> spiritually proven wrong on n- numinous occasions. No. Spiritual occasions. Here, here we go. This to be how tonight's. Oh, so uh, the other the other one, and we talked about this when we were talking about the warlocks a little bit, but the praxic deconstructionist, that is actually a school of philosophy. Uh, the deconstructionalist uh, is um, akin to the deconstruction philosophy by Jacques Derrada, uh, which is talking about the relationship between text and the meaning of the text. It's it's very it's a very I'm I'm so confused right now. Mm-hmm. So, w- why would there be a praxic deconstructionist is like a, a contradiction in yes, terms? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just long. Okay. Good. Proceed. Yeah. It's it's it, like and so like basically explain, explain why blue explain why that's a contradiction well because like just so d. De- <laughs> that well hang on let me go back into my notes real quick because I I remember talking about. <laughs> this actual thing in your notes um so it's like praxic prax praxis or praxic um is basically the definition of praxis is practice like literally it's the practice it's distinguished from theory uh so the interesting thing about having a praxic deconstructionist is it's not necessarily it's it's not a hundred percent a contradiction, but it's an interesting combination because a praxic is someone who is a uh, a practical pragmatic. You know that's where you kind of see the pra- Saint fourteen and Osiris again here. Or at least I f- at last I found a pragmatic warlock that would be a praxic order. The praxic order is someone who or the praxic a praxic individual. Sorry. A praxic individual is someone who emphasizes practice over theory or theorizing. So they usually will get along with the Titans. Let's just put it that way. Uh, whereas a deconstructionist is a person who is a follower of the deconstruction concept of, um, I mean, and, and I guess this is just, this is me connecting it to the philosophy because there is a philo- philosophical school of thought called deconstruction that deals with um, the the relationship between 
text as a physical thing and the the um, immaterial meaning of that text when we read it. Uh, it, it's a very, very, it's, it's, it gets really interesting. Like as you get further into it, because basically you read text and then you try to see like, what is the object? What, what's the, that object of language, you know, um, the etymology of the text, like what, what is that? What's the meaning of it in the cultural sense and the context of the times, you know, the historical context, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, you do also have deconstruction, like, you know, buildings, like uh, the obvious, you unconstruct something. So you could say a practic deconstructionist is someone who is actively deconstructing things. Um, there is also some uh, postmodern architecture, uh, deconstructivism um, that deals again with like, the, it, it's uh, it's an architecture style that basically is, is systematically designed to make the particular building appear as if it's being fragmented. Um, It's meant to give the impression that the constructed building is being fragmented and being torn apart, even though it's not. Um, But the, the kind of the interesting thing about the deconstructionistic architecture is that it is actually derived from Jacques Dorada's philosophy. So it all, it all kind of comes back to, to that particular philosophy, um, which I mean, uh, so for like deconstructionism, that's where you get the concepts of like, uh, disciplines of law, anthropology, historiography, linguistics, sociolinguistics, psychoanalysis, um, you know, the, the various studies of the different socioeconomical groups within the historical context of society, uh, you know, even even to a degree, some some of the feminist schools of thoughts, the you know the LGBT studies, um, you know it, it's it's huge as far as like a a a starting point for a lot of these schools of thoughts that their entire basis is around what when we see something, what does that translate into in our our brains um so and it's the the nice thing about this um is that when you read from take three you know that is a very along the same lines because she starts this out and she says exos have always known that a machine is capable of bridging the gap between the physical and the numinous um you know when you and this goes back to what green was saying is the definition of numinous, you know, that's, that's the bridging point of the, the, the often really annoying misquoted ghost of the machine, right? You know, what is it that makes the immaterial and the material interact? What is that? And, and an exo, if you think about it would be the paradigm of something that understands what makes that immaterial mental thing of a human able to interact with the physical shell of a body because that's literally what's happening within the exo is the, the, the consciousness of, uh, a, a human is in a, a basically a machine yet that ethereal, that ethereal being is able to control this holy material being. Where is the linchpin that's connecting those two? So that, that, that's kind of a, a breakdown of that particular concept, I guess. 
Yeah. So to to kind of bring that back to Destiny, the Praxix were an order of warlocks who really did not give a <laughs> why something <laughs> acted the way it did. Like they did not care. They their creed, like their ethos was we do not need to understand the darkness. We need to kill it. Like we need to eradicate it. And uh any pursuit in understanding um in understanding is is just wasted effort like um ariana after she's finished um interrogating the the wizard um and, and she kind of gets interrupted and then she's like kill the wizard scatter the ash it has nothing but lies to offer get your sparrows we have light and fury that will be enough let's go i'm a bamf but um <laughs> but but the point is there you 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 juxtapose that with like the mindset of an Ikora. Like Ikora <laughs> might have like left the wizard in the custody of somebody and let like like she would have want wanted transcripts. You know what I mean? Like she would have wanted yeah, to go and- over the and not I'm not I'm not beating up on Ikora. I'm just saying there's it's a difference in in kind of the mindset and a deconstructionist wants to take things apart and understand how they were put together. At least that's my understanding of it. Yes. That's, that's basically, uh, yes. A praxic. Yep. Keep going. um, Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying a praxic, uh, deconstructionist, um, to me is, is like, uh, (sighs) you're no, you're, 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 you're you're there. You're there. You, you got it. Uh, (laughs) So, so the thing is, is like, this is, this is the important thing with like, I'm going to take a sidestep and talk about warlocks just for a second. This is the important thing about the Praxic warlock order is that it's not that they don't have a, not that they don't have a drive to understand and to, to study things. It's the application of that drive. So a Praxic warlock is someone who, instead of like in the case of Ikora, right? She writes volumes on circles, like the the application of the the importance of circles with regards to the traveler and the light and she she studies this whereas Taiko 3 who is a praxic deconstructionist which basically translates into she is the person who goes out in the field kills a vex and rips it apart to find out what's going on inside of it whereas Ikora would be more of the type of person who theorizes Taiko 3 is the person who goes out and actually you know actually deconstructs things in the full sense of that word she's not embrace the praxic fire right she's she's not it's not that um she's not theorizing she's just the the application of her hypothesis involves the actual physical action whereas with um with with most most warlocks the hypothesis is a theoretical what if statement a praxic warlock actually takes it a step further and says, okay, well, what if this, and then tries it, you know, it's, it's a more of, it's, it's a difference in the the application of that particular scientific method. Uh, and you see this with the Zen meteor because the very closing line, I think really, really kind of speaks to this and says, or to be more precise, the more focused, the wielder's mind, the more powerful, the weapon. So again, it's not that the praxic <laughs> green. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. That's that's a hundred percent accurate. Um, Green says she's more she's Gandalf, not Saruman. Um, mm-hmm. 
so like a praxic, you know, Tycho is the one that's actually in the field studying the e- the the effects of EEG on a weapon, whereas an, an other warlock would be like, oh well, if you theoretically connect this and this and this, and they would be in like, you know, I, I imagine them in a lab or a library or you know something removed from the the battlefield, whereas the praxics are the ones that are on the battlefield testing the hypothesis out in real time, in reality, like in in person and that's where they get the the concept of like the pragmatic warlocks instead of the theoretical warlocks they are the they are the outliers within the waning ratio yeah just to me praxic deconstructionist is an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp yeah but i mean do you like jumbo shrimp i don't like being lied to <laughs> Do not lie. They cannot. (laughs) Sorry. No, (laughs) no, you're good. However, (laughs) they can exaggerate. (laughs) So, um, you guys, you guys good to roll to shout outs or I think we're good. All right. I'm going to let beard or who do I, who do I let? I don't, I'm nervous to let Justin go first, but. I don't want to let Beard go first because I have a feeling I need to let him have a rebuttal to Justin's shout outs. Yeah, that's that's like let, actually let that's Justin a good go. plan. Yeah, that's a good plan. OK. All right. Go, Justin. No, I just wanted to. Great big shout out to everybody. Uh, um, uh, great feedback on the show last week. Lots of nice things said. Awesome to have everybody's favorite Gunter. Miss Green-Eyed, music lover back. Um, nice to have a little music in the conversation this week. I'm liking it. Mm. Um, and this week in my shout-outs, I have something special. I had I had actually a, a joke that I wanted to tell in pre-show, but everyone's talking too much. So I get to say it now, and it's for, it's for Beard. It's for Beard. So I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Beard. Did you hear about the uh, the EXO who was incarcerated for robbing the tower vault? No, Justin, I have not. Yeah, I heard he was framed. Uh... <laughs> we need a groan, like an audible groan, or I don't know. No, it was there. You got to dig deep in the audio, but it was there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that um dumb. Okay, sorry about that. There you go. Anyways, big shout out to to Beard because if for nothing else, he's got a tough road to hoe. Um, with me being here. Yeah, we'll say it that way. Why not? Beard, what about you? <laughs> All right. So, with that that being said, um, my uh, my first shout out goes towards, uh, even though I haven't said it for a while here, uh, Guardian Con is still a thing. Uh, I am starting to get a lot of more hear a lot more about plans that are getting put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you guys have not done anything with that yet, that that's still being endorsed for uh, or going towards the charity of St. Jude. If you have not 
done anything to support that cause. Uh, sometimes a plane ticket and a Guardian Con ticket is a little too much for you. Uh, totally, totally understand that. Uh, but at least if you can go ahead and support that uh, that charity, it means a lot towards my family because it's done. They've done a lot for me. Uh, but again, that is uh, that's a good place where we can also meet. So mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully that's that's a possibility this year for a little bit, a couple more of you. Uh, Anyway, uh, otherwise, my bigger shout-outs go towards uh, a couple of my subscribers, actually. Uh, I I really do appreciate the help that went into a, a couple of videos that I had over the course of last week, uh, only because they required a lot of extra research uh, to really get some stuff right. And I was... I, this week has not been the predicament of, I have time to edit and research, and write, and voice, and so on. I had enough time to do, like, two of those things, which was, like, voice and edit. So I appreciate everything uh, that's been done for this week to at least make sure that I've had some content out. Um, it was it was very helpful. Uh, otherwise, yes, Green, it is good to hear you there again this week, because, mm-hmm. like I told you in, in DMs, we missed you. Mm-hmm. It was, it was yes, definitely... It was it was definitely weird ha- not having you here, sure. Especially when I had to put up a just. He- Can I just <laughs> say for one quick second? He made it weird. I didn't. The, the, I was the cool. next time that green uh, green the next time that blue the, I'm getting the colors screwed up. Uh, <laughs> the next time that uh, blue and I are like actually on the same page for a good majority of a show. We should probably just turn it around, like right then and there. I yeah, know. I just, I need I to. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I feel weird. I feel like I should yeah. be just like going against what I think. <laughs> just, I was <laughs> like, wait a minute, what, what is happening right now? What, why is it that we can't have arguments? Like, <laughs> we're, we're just, we're just sitting here, like, nope, we're, we're, we're okay with each other's ideas. We're going along with them. We're, we're actually like right there. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I overhyped the the episode with that it was introduction. Kismet. Yeah. Well, that's I I didn't tell you to do that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a lore fight, and it's been it's been a lore discussion. Mm-hmm. It was a lore hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lore hug. Love it. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, for me, uh, my shout out is actually to a lot of people who have given me feedback about the first article that dropped slash first mini episode of a la Breve about the music of destiny. I've been super nervous about putting that out there just because it's, uh, it was my degree. So it, it it's very, very near and dear to me to talk about it in such an in-depth way. But it's also very nerve wracking to do that because you feel like you're 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 standing out on the stage and you're the one that's messing up or naked or whatever the the analogy goes. And it's just you just get nervous about it. So thank you for those of you who have given feedback well, in and, any way, shape or form. And to be fair, music teachers aren't exactly nice to each other. No, <laughs> generally not. Uh, other one, my other shout out goes to pretty much anybody who has messaged me in the last two weeks just to kind of check in on things. I know B 
Beard has done it. Blue has done it. Pins has done it multiple times. Just kind of the last couple of weeks have been a little rough for me personally. And it's been, it's been great to have kind of a community and a family to check in on you. It's not like you're the the nosy family type, but you're the, the ones that just remind, just remind somebody that you're there. And that's what I love about this community. And I'm going to get teary eyed and make a big old speech. So I'm going to stop now before that happens. So thank you guys for checking in on me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, mine are pretty, pretty much the normal, uh, the topic for next week is going to be the, the conversation, which, uh, that next week, yeah, next week might actually be the week that you, you have the right idea to hype up because that's going to be the, the conversation about the, the bias in lore. Um, so definitely, definitely want to hear your thoughts if you are out there and you want to shoot us an email shoot us a a message over on twitter on discord uh we have a contact form on our website uh you know if you if you want to use that over on focusfirechat.com and also you know if you want to send in a message about the community feedback uh question it's the what destiny lore did you discover that you later had a misconception on um, you know, I know, I understand how that could easily surpass even the, even the increased 280 characters on Twitter. Um, because you know, that, that could get to be a lengthy response. And I, I, we, threading you know, is a thing. You can make a thread. Th- threading is a thing as, as much as I, as much as I absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Threading's a thing. Um, <laughs> But emails are better um, because they're more coherent and I don't get lost into them. But, uh, you know, if you if or if you want to send it over on Discord, you know, if you DM mm-hmm. green, green DM green or myself, to be honest, because we'll probably be the ones that are better able to get those into the show notes um, because we'll or be expecting like them. at me. And or like, yeah, if you're going to yeah, write it in regular green, chat, green is really good about that. I'm okay with it yeah just just focus at getting it to me yeah because i have access to put it into notes a lot easier than blue does half the time she 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 said that i didn't say that but yes focus on green um where who should they talk to about the rat battle i i'm assuming that they should probably talk to you about this supposed rap battle battle wait are we doing a rap battle yeah we're doing a rap battle chat said so when Oh, epic lore battles of history. Oh, I love those. That YouTube show was amazing. Oh my gosh. All right. So yes, if you have an epic lore battle, just send it to Justin. He's the more musically inclined of, of me and him and green's already taking on the the thing. Cause normally she would be the musical person, but I don't want to overburden her. Um, yeah. And because Justin will actually probably rap for you. Mm hmm. Oh, I'll rap. I see someone <laughs> battle. Yourself. No. Beard. Anyways. <laughs> Beard. Justin. Why is it always me? Why, Justin? Why, why is it? Yes. Why is it always me? We can, we'll, we can do this. You pick a subject <gasps> and we can do this, but we have to have at least a week to be able to write it. Cause I am not going to, I'm not good about doing that off the dome. Okay. Just gotta say that. She's already got the lingo going. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yes, we might be able to get that going as well. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely send your feedback in on that one because uh, I, I'm just curious about that too. From a just from from a, a a basic curiosity point, you know, how how is that? What what are your guys' thoughts on that? And you know, we're going to be talking a lot about the difference between dynamic and static information within narratives and stuff like that too because that's a big that's a it's a big topic uh not just for destiny it's for storytelling in general to be to be quite frank um and just a really big shout out again as we did at the top of the show if you are a patron over on podbean we really appreciate it uh i can't say that enough same with the subscribers over on twitch um you know, thank you again for all of that, guys. And, and I just, I cannot say that enough. Um, but yes, let's run through an outro and then we will have a little bit of an after show. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any questions or comments for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.